2023. Just think, we're all going to be a year older this year, <laughs> some sooner than later. But in the course of this year, uh, we're going to all get a little bit older. Thinking of New Year, you know, we have resolutions that some people make resolutions, like, you know, say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year, and that lasts for about, oh, 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give something, so I'm going to give something up this year, I'm giving up Brussels sprouts. <laughs> you know, we make resolutions, and uh, uh, sometimes, you know, those res- sometimes people do actually do them, I don't know who that is, I couldn't name three people, but uh, New Year's tends to, we, we want to turn over a new leaf, don't we? Uh, like, we've not done that before, but we, we try to do things like that. And, you know, one of the things about uh, a new year is we tend to think about what this year is going to bring. You know, when I uh, counsel uh, or have classes with especially young people wanting to get married, and I will hear the young man sometimes say, and foolishly, they say, well, I'm going to provide my wife with food, clothing, and shelter. Uh, I, I'm quick to remind them that they can get that at uh, Salvation Army. A woman doesn't need you to get food, clothing, and shelter. Amen. <laughs> so let's have the benediction, and I'll see you next week. But, you know, we, we worry about things like that, don't we? We, we worry about what this year is going to bring, and are we going to have enough to eat? Are we going to have a place to stay? Uh, are we going to have enough to buy clothing to put on our bodies? And we worry about things like that. So with that in mind, would you please take your Bibles that you bring to church with you every Lord's Day and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. You know, uh, my, my Bible has this call, it calls this the, the cure for anxiety but I just simply entitled this message, uh, Starting the Year Off Right. So if we're going to start the year off right, let's, let's do it with the Word of God, okay? I couldn't think of a better way to start the new year than with the Word of God. Beginning at verse 25, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus speaking, Sermon of the Mount. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Or some translations have a, a cubit. To his life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to all that. Let's pray. Father, we live in a worrisome time. We worry about uh, uh, events that are happening in our world. We worry about the, the rise of, of evil and, and, and uh, wickedness. We worry about uh, the rise of uh, a narcissistic attitude in society and we worry about uh, you know rage, road rage. We worry about our our kids, grandkids, great grandkids. Father, we worry about so much, and none of those things that we worry about, Lord, is going to add anything to our lives. If anything, Lord, it will take away from us. Father, may we have a a clear vision as to who you are. That, Lord, no matter what, you are our provider. And, Father, you are God of both of providence and sovereignty. Father, and nothing can thwart your decreed plan nor, and will. We thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer, for being present with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So these verses we looked at are, are a, a picture of a person who seemingly, seemingly teeter-totters between God and the world. And this is exactly what Jesus is speaking of in our text. And, and this is a person that might say something like this. I trust God with a spiritual me. But I need to embrace the mechanisms of this world if I'm going to survive and be successful. On, on one hand, we, we want to embrace God and His Word and His love for us. But on the other hand, we, we see that we need to hold on tight to this world. And, and rather than engage our world, we want to embrace the world so that we can get all that the world has to offer us. Because there's something about the human psyche that says, I've, I've got to climb this ladder of success. But folks, we don't even know where the ladder's at. So I wonder, what are we trying to climb? Just people worried about getting promoted to the top, and you figure, you, you think, promoted to the top of what? So as we enter upon a new year, and many of us want to make this, a, a, this year a great year, then, then ask yourself this question, what do I need to do in order to get things started on the right track? Today is the first day of the year. So what do we need to do to make it really great to start off 2023, the best we've ever been able to start off with? So that's what we're going to look at today. So here then is a question for all of us to answer. After you became a Christian, after you became a Christian, what did you then do concerning choices in your life? Because we all make choices every day, don't we? I mean, you get up, you, you make a choice what pair of socks you're going to put on your feet. You know, you, you make a choice what, what you're going to wear. You make a choice of, you know, do I fix the bed first or do I have a cup of coffee first? We make all kinds of choices. 
Some of them are just meaningless choices. But you wake up in the morning and you make choices. In verses 19 and following, we come face to face with the temptations that are evident to those who are uh, uh, in and all of this world. And that's what Jesus has been talking about. There's people in this world that, that make choices, and some of those choices are crazy choices. You know, we, we more, we're more worried about the treasure we have than the testimony we have. We're, we are more worried about the, the, uh, the, the, the title we have than the testimony we have. We're more worried about the talent that we have than we are the testimony we have. We worry about these things because somehow we think that if, if we can promote ourselves, that the world will promote us also. So Jesus is dealing with this in this passage. So they come face to face with these temptations that are evident to those who are in and of this world. And friends, it all, it, it all comes down to being a matter of the heart. So in verse 22, before we even get to our text, in verse 22... Uh, Jesus talks about the clear eye that has its focus on God. And in verse 23, he talks about the bad eye that leads a person in a continued state of moral decay. The good eye, the single eye, the clear eye, has its focus on God. But there is, there is this, this eye in us. There's this, this focus that we have in our lives and, 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 it, and we, we look at the world and we see what the world has to offer and we begin to embrace those things and we want those things. We want, to, we want to be a part of this world mechanism so that when people look at us, they say, man, isn't he or isn't she successful? I want to be just like that person. Not realizing that the life that that person has without Christ is a life that leads to moral decay. So we come to our text in verse 25, our text for today. And Jesus says, he starts off, he says, for this reason. That is, for the reason pointed out in the previous six verses. The greatest concern in our text is this. The person who is worried and anxious about the, tempta- about the temporal things of life has failed to put their total trust in God. If you're worried about what tomorrow is going to look like for you. If you're worried about how the world is going to think of you, if you're worried about what your boss is going to think about you, if you're worried about what somebody else is thinking about you, if, whatever those things are, if that, is, if that is where your vision is at, then you've lost your trust in God. You've set it in a back burner somewhere. Life could easily cause us to prioritize food, clothing, shelter, whatever. And we put those things above the the priority that belongs to God alone. And are you familiar? You should be familiar with the very first commandment, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at uh, uh, chapter 17, uh, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. 20, beginning at verse 1. The very first moral law of God. You shall have no other gods before me. And basically what that means is don't let needs, don't let the things that you need, the things that you want, the things that you crave, the things that you covet, don't let those things become your God. 
Because when those things become your God, you're, you're, you're walking down a path of decay. You're, you're, you've veered off track. So let's get you back on track. It is though uh, our Lord is saying, as if he's saying, do not concern yourself with the things of this world. So what does this mean in essence? Don't allow life to bring you to the point of worry when it comes to the following necessities. Because when we think about these things, we begin to worry about these things. Jesus, don't let life cause you to worry about what you're going to eat. Don't let life cause you to worry about what you're going to drink. Don't let life cause you to worry about what you're going to wear. We think about these things, and we want these things. It's okay to say, hey, I need these things, but something else to covet these things and allow those things to become your God and allow those things to be the, to be the focus of your life. When we're overly anxious about what the world necessitates and at the same time what our lives reflect in concerning our trust in God, then we become the very thing that James writes about in his epistle. When, when we worry about life and we worry about, am I living up to God's standards? And we, we try to blend those things together. You know what James says about that person? In James 1, he says, a double-minded man is unstable, unstable in all of his ways. You, you, you can't put your heart toward these temporal things, and you can't at the same time put your heart toward a spiritual thing. You're either going to love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other, whatever. You, 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 can't, you can't divide yourself between these two things and love both of them with the same intensity. So what we have is a person who becomes more trusting in the world and the goods and promises it provides than in God who says that he will provide. So we're looking, we're looking at the world to be our provider. I want the world to be my provider. Not looking at God, you're looking at the world. King David writes in Psalm 37, 25. I love this passage. He says, I have been young and now I am old. Listen, a lot of us can identify with that. I have been young and now I am old. Yet... He says, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. God always, always, always provides. You say, well, I don't think he's providing for me. You know, do you realize that some, sometimes we realize, say, I'm not getting the provisions that I need. It, it could, it, is it because maybe your focus is not on God, but your focus is, what's the world going to give me? What's the world going to do for me? I, I, I've used this illustration before. Let me, let me use it one more time. It's, it's, an old, it's an old illustration. I'm sure you've heard it before. And if you have, just, indul excuse me, just indulge me and, and think about it. 
old lady living alone. And she's, she's living in a small little home. And her cupboards are bare. But every morning she wakes up and she says, oh, thank you, Jesus, for providing for me. Thank you, Jesus. You've never let me down. But her cupboards are bare. But she keeps on going, praising the Lord. And right next door to her is this young cynic, this atheistic cynic. He says, that lady, she keeps on bragging about God, and yet she's starving to death. He says, I'm going to prove her, I want to prove her wrong that there is no God. So he goes out, and he, he gets his brand new shiny pickup truck. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with pickup trucks, folks, but he gets his brand new shiny pickup truck, and he goes down to the grocery store, and he loads it up with bag after bag after bag after bag of bag groceries. He loads the whole thing up, and he drives over to her house, and she's not aware of what's happening, and he takes all these groceries out, and he parks them right in front of her door, and he rings the doorbell, and he hides behind the bushes. And all the while, she's just thanking Jesus. And then she goes and answers the door, and there are bag after bag after bag of groceries there on her doorstep. She says, oh, thank you, Jesus, for providing this food for me. And he jumps out from behind the bushes. And he says, that wasn't Jesus. That was me that brought you the food. And she says, oh, thank you, Jesus, for providing the food. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He says, lady, that wasn't Jesus. It was me. She says, it just proves all the more that it was Jesus. She says, Jesus provided the goods. He made the devil pay for it. <laughs> Folks, who's your provider? Who's your provider? I'm not telling you to go and quit your job and let God provide for you. That's, that's foolishness. That's tempting God. But it does mean that we should thank God for whatever job you have because God provided that for you. You got to thank God. I don't care if you're working at a convenience store or if you're the, uh, if, if you're, if you're the head of the Taj Mahal somewhere. I don't, it doesn't matter. If God's provided for you a job, thank Him for that job. He's provided it for you. So that you can take care of those things because God, God provides for his people. And you know what? Sometimes God provides us with a job, doesn't he? So those needs can be met. So according to what Jesus says, it is much more value to us to give the greater attention to what our souls need than what our body needs. In verse 26, Jesus gives us an example of his provision by giving us a lesson concerning birds. A bird, Jesus says, doesn't sow or reap or store food, but they are continually fed. He then says at the end of verse 26, are they not worth much more than you? Birds are heaven's fowls, but my friend, you are heaven's heirs. Now, which do you suppose that God is more likely to providentially care for? The fowls of heaven or the heirs of heaven? Verse 27. Jesus asks his listeners a question. Look at the verse. It says, And who of you by being worried can add a single hour or cubit to his life? It seems that there are commentators, interpreters of the Bible, who are split as to the, the interpretation of this passage. 
Some believe that Jesus is speaking about adding a cubit. Now, a cubit is about 18 to 20 inches. And they think that Jesus is talking about adding a cubit to a person's height. If you're six foot tall, adding a cubit would make you seven foot six. Who wants to be that tall? I mean, let's face it, you'd be great at grocery stores when you say, can you reach that? Some old person says, son, can you get that for me? I was at a great, listen, I'm five foot six. I was at a grocery store the other day, and it's, well, it's been some time ago, and this, this older lady walked on, she said, sir, can you reach that on the top shelf? I'm, I said, lady, you know who you're talking to. <laughs> so I, uh, I had her boost me up like, no, no, I <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> but I was able to get that down for her. I had to climb up on a shelf to get it, but I did get it. It's not about adding a cubit. <laughs> Why would anybody want? If you're seven foot tall, they'll make you eight and a half foot tall. I don't think Jesus is talking about adding a, a foot and a half to your height. Good night, folks. I mean, we would have a church filled with giants. We can form a basketball team, but never lose. <laughs> so, what is he talking about? The, the word in the Greek does mean cubit. However, I'm not particularly sold on this interpretation. It's going to add 18 inches to your height or more, 20 inches. Keep in mind, there, there's an axiom in interpreting, in interpreting scriptures called context. Context is king. What is the context of the passage? When it comes to interpreting scripture, uh, we, we need to think about that. What, what, is, what, is, what is that whole narrative saying? What's, it's called a pericope, that whole thought. What's that whole thought saying? What's it saying? What's he talking about? What Jesus has been dealing with in our text is life, not height. He's talking about a person's life, not how tall he is. It makes no sense. Man, you sure are short. No, that's, what, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, he's talking about something besides height. He's talking about a person's life. So, By you worrying, you know, when you take a step, it's about 18 inches, isn't it? That's about 18 inches. When you take it, Jesus says, by your worrying, you can add this much more to your life. When it's, folks, listen, you can worry all you want. Man, I, I want to live to be, I heard one preacher say, I'm going to live to be 120. Wow. God bless you, brother, if that. That's a lot of tax to pay. <laughs> By worrying, you, your worry is not going to add one step to the length of your life, of your existence. Ain't going to happen. That's what he's talking about. Worrying doesn't make you live longer. In fact, what's it going to do? Probably make you live a little bit less. I don't, you know, he's not talking about height. He's talking about the span of your life. How often have you heard also, you, you hear people talking about, in, in one way or another, because Jesus is talking about, you know, what 
to eat and what to drink, what to wear. How often have you heard these words spoken in some fashion or another? I don't have, listen very carefully. See if you heard these words. I don't have any ideas to what I'm going to wear. You never heard that, have you? Yet, yet, upon looking into that person's closet, it is filled with all kinds of apparel and attire and types of garments. What is, what is it about clothing that causes some to be embarrassed if it is worn more than once in a month's time? Jesus says in verse 28 and 30, Look at verses 20 through 30. He says, and why are you worried about clothing? I mean, folks, you say, why are we preaching about this? Because Jesus preached about it. The greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus talks about clothes. Why are you worried about clothing? Verse 20, observe the lilies of the field they, and how they grow. They do not toll nor they spin. Yet I say to you, not, not even Saul in all of his glory clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown to the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Take note of the word observe in verse 28. You see that in verse 28? If I can paraphrase this, he says, take a lesson from creation concerning clothing. Let's be honest here and discuss for a moment the purpose of clothes. What is the purpose of clothing? Two things. First, It is worn in order that we embrace a proper dignity and modesty. And in many cases, unfortunately, that's not true today. It's not as common today as it used to be years ago. Especially you you go out in the street or you go to some store, whatever, you see people wearing clothes. And uh, let me just say this. This is where the belt goes. It doesn't go down here. I don't want to look at people's clothing and see every crevice in your body. You say, preacher, you're old-fashioned. Yes, I am. You know, Stuart Hamlin wrote a song years ago. He said, my religion's not old-fashioned. It's just true, genuine. Two and two make four today like it did in my Lord's time. You know, there are just some things that are just True. Dress with dignity and modesty. When you go out, dress with dignity and modesty. You are a representative. You are, and I am, an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is, while we wear clothes... By the way, you know, David says in Psalm 101, verse 3, he says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. When you you walk past certain places, if there's something there that your eyes should not see. Listen, folks, if you allow a 
to come in here, it's going to settle in here. Right? If you allow it to come in here, it's going to settle in here. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You say, well, preacher, how do I do that? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a great example of how you can get rid of that. When you see something and you know it's not proper, you know, if you start talking to Jesus about it, it's pretty hard to have a lustful thought in your mind when you're talking to God. You see something and say, Lord, I know that you created this person and uh, you did a wonderful job in what you created, uh, but this person needs to learn how to conduct himself or herself better in, in their attire. And just keep on talking to the Lord. Listen, folks, don't let that wicked thing, if you let it come in here, it'll settle here. I'm just telling you that. Since we are ambassadors for our Lord, our clothing is to be a reflection of what we say we believe. Our clothing ought to be a reflection of what we say we believe. It is God who provides the finances to clothe ourselves. And if He is able to provide for the flowers of the field, then how much will He provide for His followers of His kingdom? Look at verses 31 and 32. Don't worry then saying what we will eat, what we will drink, or what we're going to wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The spiritually lost person looks to the world as his or her supplier. Simply because they have no idea that there's something better out there. They just don't. Now, let's see what Jesus says. Throughout his text... He's four things, four things that Jesus has been pointing to. Because we worry so much about food and clothing and shelter and, and what we're going to wear and, and what we're going to eat and drink. He says, Jesus says, I provide for the birds of the air. Number one, I provide for the birds of the air. Two, I provide for the flowers of the field. Three, I have established my decreed will for the birds, the flowers, and for humanity. And four, I know what you need. Trust me. That's what God's saying. Those four things. I provide for the birds. I provide for the flowers. I've established my decree for, for all of creation. And I know what you need. Trust me. Today is January the 1st, the year 2023. If you're Jewish, it's the year 5,783. It is a new year. Spend your time and energy and thinking about your relationship with God who has saved you. That is the best way in forgetting about what this world has to offer you. I want to close with this biblical story. Do you recall the story of two sisters named Mary and Martha. Familiar people in the Bible, Mary and Martha. They both love Jesus, don't they? Mary was happy just listening and learning from Jesus' teaching. And Mary, who loved Jesus also, was concerned more so as to how things were going on in the kitchen. What's happening in the kitchen? She's more concerned about what's happening in the kitchen than what she is what's happening in her soul. 
So Jesus tells Martha in Luke 10, 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. And so I ask then, I ask you, what was that one thing that was necessary as far as Jesus is concerned? In Luke 10, 39, he tells us what's necessary. It says, speaking of Martha, she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. What is more important? What's happening in the kitchen or what's happening in the heart? What's more important? Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about stuff and you know, you know, the baloney sandwich will be there. But listen to the word. Sit and listen to the Word. I close with these words from Colossians chapter 3, and I, I really will close with this. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, listen to what Paul says. He says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, listen, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. And then he says in verse 12 through 16 in part A, he says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone just as you, Lord forgave you, so you should also. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then listen, let, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful and the last thing, let, this is what Jesus talked about Mary and Martha about, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You either let the world dwell within you, or you let the word of God dwell within you. You, as Christians, have choices to make. What is going to govern you this year. I think if you go with the text and you want a great year, if you want to start the year off right, I would suggest to you, I would highly recommend it to you. I would request of you, if I could, require of you, if I were bold enough to say so, that you let your focus be on Christ and His Word. And one of the things that Christ and His Word says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This world has not caused you to have rest. This world has fatigued you 
It has worn you out. It has buried you under a sea of troubles. Today, folks, if you want to be lifted from that, put your trust in Jesus Christ. As you sense the wooing of the Holy Spirit in your life, calling you to a life that embraces Christ rather than the world. If you sense that today, that today you want Christ in your life, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat during our response time. If you would just walk forward over here, that, that doesn't, that's not going to do anything other than get you down. It's just a means of transportation to get you down here. You know, that's why the good Lord gave us feet so you can walk. Get you down here. We want you down here. If Christ is coming to your life today, we want you down here so that we could rejoice with you. What a blessing. Just think, the first of the year, the first day of the year, that, that would be your spiritual birthday. The first, the first of January of every year, you say, I came to Jesus Christ on a new year, and he gave me a new life.